So you survived Mother's Day. Now it's time to spend a little time with some bad mothers. Here we go, a Monday with your favorite fellas. Kicks off right now. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals in Yahoo Sports. This, this is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a U.S. With Trojan Sports publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You love 33. You better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message board. We start Monday. Yeah. And yes. And yes. Your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know why. I said, I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. I know. Chris Morales. It's a touchdown. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Ready for joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. From the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. And yes, like the man says, the Trojansports.com podcast is on for your Monday, May 9th, 2016. I am Chris Morales. Chris Swanson, publisher of Trojan Sports, is here. Adam Maya, also the beat reporter for Trojan Sports. And really, when you think Mother's Day, don't you think Adam Maya? <laughs> I, I am a mama boy. Yeah, well, I, that, that doesn't surprise any of us. Welcome in to the Trojansports.com podcast. We've got a lot ahead. We are going to talk a lot about Max Brown versus Sam Darnold. We've got we, another one of Adam Maya's. Yes, Adam. Well, I hey. didn't know that we were going to do that. Cool. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and on, we've Dan. got one of Adam's old friends from the Orange County Register, another one, Dan Albano from OCVarsity.com, is going to join us. We've got your questions from the message board. And if you're lucky... We may just have some fun and frivolity on today's show. Yes. We're always available at Trojansports.com. Click the other tab. Go down to the podcast on iTunes. We should be on the new Google Play because now they have posted podcasts, so we should be up there as well. Podcastarena.com and Audio Boom. Fellas, I'll start with you, Adam Maya. How was Mother's Day in the Maya household? It was the first one for my wife, and uh, that was very special. Um, I, I felt a lot of pressure, and... What I ended up doing was um, I wrote her a card from our infant son, and I wrote it as if it was him, you know, through me. So I think that was nice. What do you think? I did something similar with Lisa, the uh, the woman in my life, from the cats. Okay. <laughs> I, I got one of those. Did you know they have Mother's Day cards now from the cats? No. Yeah. So I bought two of those from our two cats, and then uh, Ariana, her daughter, did the card on her own for, from her to her. Uh, but, yeah, I did the cats thing. So I, I hear what you're saying. I, I feel yeah. you. I feel you on that. Okay. Chris Watson, did you I give your mother – did, <laughs> did you give your mom a card? I did. Um, it was a card that a three-year-old would give his mother <laughs> just because I wanted to. And I, I gave my grandma a card, too, and it was in Spanish because she speaks Spanish. I have no idea what it said. Really? Yeah, I was yeah, there when he bought it. Yeah, we bought our cards together. So it could have had, well, I want to get to that in a moment, but it could have had my phone number in there and call me for a good time for grandma, and you wouldn't have even known. 
You know what? I wouldn't even mind. Good for my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> if she's if she's pulling some dude in his thirties or whatever you you are, you know. Yeah, but inside that's... it's in the sixties, so that's okay. I could still give grandma a good time. You know, you never mind. Uh, so why were you guys shopping for Mother's Day uh, paraphernalia together? We watched Canelo Khan. Oh, that's right. That's right. I yeah. did get the invitation from Chris Swanson. Unfortunately, I had Mother's Day uh, festivities to attend on, even on Saturday. But how, how was the fight? I, don't, I, I know who won, but I didn't even know, watch any of the highlights or anything. Uh, it, it was okay. I mean, I feel like Khan kind of exposed Canelo as somebody that can't really handle boxing, like a really good boxer that well, because he might have been ahead at the time he got knocked out. And then... What was supposed to happen happened, and you know, Khan can't take a shot, not from a middleweight like that. And you know, what did this one cost happened. in HD? Seventy? Yeah, worth the seventy dollars? No, because I get free fights like that on HBO. But I'm just I'm a, the type of guy that like I support boxing. You like, like the like event? Boxing. So. I like the event, yeah. and I just feel like I want the the sport to thrive, so I don't mind. You know, kind of go why should i buy that you know well, yeah that's good that you want to support the fights and stuff because it's important be, and, and you mentioned hbo but they're not going to run it till next weekend for free so if you wanted to see it now you know there's nothing wrong with that now i've got yeah. to ask so this event was at swanson's house swanee invited myself adam yeah. blair and gulo probably uh some other uh some other trollops from around the way what sort of spread adam was uh was at the swanee for fight night we got some i would say Pretty good Mexican food. Okay. Now, was this yeah. a, this was a delivery item, or uh, you got it to go? No, we went, we went and picked it up. Okay. Yeah, it was a little taco truck down the street. Nice. Yeah. But I um, I came just for the main event. Okay. So, you didn't uh, go undercard for Swanee. You didn't want to spend that much time. You didn't want to leave I, yourself that exposed to Swanee no, time. I did, but I was cleaning my apartment before my wife got home. It's kind of like if you went to go visit Chernobyl in Russia. There's only so many hours you can be exposed before you drop dead. So it's sort of the same thing. It's like, okay, I don't want to give it too many hours to Swanee. But all in all, did it seem like the maid had been there recently to clean up the place? No, not this time. (laughs) Oh, wow. Because that's actually, she was there the day before, Uh actually. So now somebody's getting fired. So, yeah. Well, anything can happen in 30 hours. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, well, yes, exactly. Well, it's good that you guys uh, had a nice little fight night and that you enjoyed the uh, fight together. Next time I'll be there. Hopefully I'll bring Blair. We should, uh, yeah, we should do Canelo uh, Triple G if it ever happens. You know, I knew uh, a female with a Triple G once. Um, so... <laughs> I don't even know what that means. No, you don't. You definitely don't. I really don't know what it means. I just threw it out there. All right, let's... Uh, Let's uh, get into uh, some sports because people like when we talk sports here on the Trojansports.com podcast. <laughs> How about Max Brown, Sam Darnold? And I know we're going to get into this a little bit. And also, well, I guess we should first start. I know we mentioned Tua last weekend. The spot that is now open, we are going to get into with Dan Albano of who possibly USC is looking at for that spot. But let's talk about what's on the deck certainly right now. And that is Max Brown, Sam Darnold, Adam Maya. Yeah, I mean, the conversation is going to persist throughout the summer. Right now on our board, we have a poll as to whether Helton should have named a quarterback and then another poll about who he should choose. And I wanted to weigh in again on on maybe what was happening with 
spring competition because I think we were all pretty vexed about how Max Brown took nearly every first team rep and, and didn't come away with the job, which is, I guess, unprecedented in what I've seen. You, you don't see a guy take a bunch of second team reps and then the competition carry on through another camp. And so I, I think back to before spring practice and we found out uh, from an insider on the team that the staff was enthralled with Darnold's potential and we, we reported that. Like, they love him. And, and so we go in the spring with a bunch of preconceived notions that it was Brown's job to lose. And Brown said that himself, right? Okay. But if they're really looking at Brown and Darnold evenly, it would make sense then that you would actually have Darnold work with the second team because he has to catch up. That was his first spring for Brown is his fourth. And so you're going to give Brown all those first team reps because it's moving maybe a little bit faster and you want the offense to be in rhythm around him and he's facing the first team defense. But it's only 15 practices. And so with Darnold, you give him the second team work and you see how he handles that and you see what kind of ground he can cover and where he's at. And so if you kind of drop the, like I mentioned, the preconceived notion that if it was a, an even competition, then they both have to get the maybe the same amount of reps with the first team. That's, what, that's the way I look at it, too. Don't get me wrong. But if you're trying to get Darnold comfortable and trying to get him up to speed, you have to remember, he spent the entire fall working with the scout team. After training camp, he was with the scout team for the next four months, which is a very different look than facing just the you know, the, the regular first team, second team defense. Um, they're game planning that week. So they're playing it like they're playing their opponent that week where it's very general in spring. And so Darnold, the offense that he's running is, is not so much the USC offense, but it's really what they pre- predict their opponent is going to run that week. So now you got him in spring and you need him to get comfortable on the fly with the playbook. And so he's working exclusively with the twos because the staff is trying to get him acclimated. That's really the only way it makes sense for him, I think, to get to this point where he would be ready to play uh, or ready to compete in the fall. And so now I think that when they go into training camp, it'll be 50-50, day one. Yeah, uh, you know, it, all that makes sense to me. Uh, I don't think it's going to be 50-50 because I'm not sure Max Brown's going to be there. Does this make sense for Max <laughs> uh, Brown? Ah, yes, the Chris Swanson take yeah. yet again. Yeah, but does th- does if that's what's happening, and I think that that's a g- I think that's a great point, Adam. I think, and I honestly, I think that that is what's happening. I think you're right. You get you make sure Darnold's you know comfortable and everything, and he's not overwhelmed, and then you turn it into a competition in the fall. And you figure out who's the best. But does that make sense for Max Brown? No. No. No, not at all. So 
So then I've got to ask, okay, so if Max Brown takes off, is everyone okay with Sam Darnold being the starter then? The, that's the risk that they run. In, I mean, the risk right now is that Brown might leave this summer, and that entire scenario would be avoided if you had just picked him coming out of spring practice. But at the end of the day, you want to play your best guy. And now we assumed that that was Brown because he'd been there for so long. Right. But really, we don't know. Neither one of them have really played. So at the end of the day, you want USC to play their best quarterback. And you just have to live with the consequences from there. Meaning this guy might leave or this guy's upset or whatever. You have to play your best guy. And so like, can, can you be can you be upset with USC if they're picking their best quarterback? Uh, I'm going to say yes, and this is why. <laughs> okay. They, I would agree, yes. They could play their best guy without risking losing both of them, even if it's Sam Donald. They could name Max Brown the starter and then pull him out and make Sam Brown the starter anytime they want. They should just do that because this way that they've done it isn't smart. It has led to the potential for Max Brown to transfer. You say they don't know who their best quarterback is. I think you're right, but they also don't know that Sam Darnold is their best quarterback because if they knew that, they would have picked him and it would have been over. You mentioned pulling him out when? What did you mean by that? Just any any time you during the season, before right before the season, make the switch. Like who cares? Just do anything you want. Uh, name him. Okay. Oh, so you're saying they could have named Brown a starter a couple weeks ago, and then right before the opener, change their mind. Yeah, or him. or let him play the opener, and then say, you know what? No, like, right. He's not our guy. When it's twenty-eight nothing at halftime, you could always just yeah. make a switch. Or well, wait, you know, wait till they till they get through, you know, Alabama, Stanford, Utah, and then yeah, switch they're, them. They're not gonna they're not gonna prepare that way because you don't approach a game thinking like, oh, well, we're gonna be blown out in the first half, and then we're, we're gonna make a quarterback change. You go with the guy that you think will give you the best opportunity to win, and I don't think they know which guy that is right now. So I understand hedging your bets and picking Brown because if you do that, then Darnold's not leaving, and you have both of them. But if you think that Darnold might be better than Brown, you have to keep going. You have to keep going with the competition. But you could you could pick Brown and then keep going with the competition. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. that's my point. Like they could pick Darnold before Alabama too, if they wanted to. After picking Brown, like they could do that. Yeah, and they can do anything they want. You know, we're, it might we're doing, look bad. Yeah. We're dealing with just, a first time head coach, and so. While he's coached a quarterback position for a long time and been a coordinator, this is the first time that he's had to do this. So I think he's learning too. And maybe in five years, he'd be doing this much differently. But we know Clay Helton to be pretty transparent. And so I think when we came in the spring, we probably overlooked that a little bit because all coaches have an agenda and there's like a bureaucracy involved and, and they're, they're playing games usually, you know, with what they tell the media and even how they're handling their players. I don't think Clay's doing that. I think he sincerely looked at the two of them as being viable candidates for the job. 
and he felt like it was in their best interest to give Brown the first team reps and Darnold second team because of where they were at. And he, he maintained throughout that, that Brown was ahead, but he said there wasn't a big separation, which says mentally Brown has it because he's been here. But outside of that advantage, that inherent advantage, really, there's, it's hard to distinguish between the two of them. And then they took the field for five weeks. And when we watched them, it was hard to tell who was better. Aside from the fact that we knew the second team defense wasn't going to be a team that you would field. Aside from that, looking at the way that they played in a vacuum, they looked about even. I totally agree. Yeah. Max Brown didn't even take advantage of the first team defense the way that, like, yeah, well, very true. But yeah, yeah, the defense he was facing was depleted enough where I right. actually expected him to do more and jump further ahead, too, even though they're both facing, you know, kind of depleted defenses, if that makes sense. Yeah, I expected there to be more separation. They're very close. Um, yeah, I think this is step by step. I don't think that it was very calculated. And and so now I think. They're at this point where they're going to go into fall camp, hoping, of course, that both Brown and Darnold are there and may the best man win. And I think that, that Darnold at this point is no longer behind. I think he made up that ground. Um, I, I remember I handicapped it at like 65-35. I think it's about 50-50 right now. Oh, with with the competition? Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll give you my opinion on that in a second. But um I just want to say that, you know, I think that you're talking about Clay Helton's transparency. I think it's funny because I feel like after Clay Helton was hired, I almost feel like he was hired because of that in a way, because of his personality, um, because everybody knew, you know, he's not going to embarrass the school or anything like that. He's not going to get in a controversy. And I think that the, the national media kind of, in their response to it, even though maybe they, they had a hard time swallowing the hire as, you know, is this a USC caliber hire? It was refreshing to them that, oh, Lane Kiffin, you know, he's slimy. Steve Sarkisian, he's slimy. This is, of course, national media's perspective, not mine. It's refreshing. Clay Helms transparent. Well, his transparency might cost them, you know, a quarterback, maybe. It might cost them a lot. Uh, it might. You know, it almost feels like he's not being a head coach in a way because he isn't, you know, slimy, quote unquote. And it's just interesting <laughs> that, you know, that this, what's so refreshing about Clay Helton and what everybody likes might end up hurting the team. It's like it might have been in his best interest to, you know, calculate this out and, you know, do it differently and, and maybe do what's, you know, not best for Max Brown if that makes sense. Um, it's just, it's interesting to me. Um, as for how I'm handicapping this race, I, I've now moved Donald to the favorite. I think Donald's oh. going to, I think Donald's going to be their starting quarterback eventually this year. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I guess I'm saying as of right now, or, you know, if we were fast forwarding, let's say this was the end of July and we were going into training camp next week. I think that it's 50, 50 at that moment. At the beginning you mean of training for camp. who's going to start for Alabama? Yeah. Oh, I think that's fair because I have I have a hard time swallowing still Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback against Alabama. I just, you know, even if he seems better, you know, it just seems like you wouldn't want to put him in that situation where he's going to get hit and beat up and he's young. Yeah. You know, um, but 
I mean, if that game wasn't there, if they were playing, you know, oh I- yeah, I- if, if they were playing game two, if they were playing Utah State. Yeah, then- I would say Donald's going to start. I would yep. straight up just say it. So I mean, it's yeah. that game that kind of makes it different, in my yeah. opinion. Because I I do believe I believe they like Sam Donald better. I think that that's why they didn't name a starting quarterback. Um, I had heard, like you mentioned previously that you know we had heard that sam that how much the staff likes sam darnold uh that we we'd even heard that in response to you know a question like basically oh max brown's going to be the starter right you know what i mean like it yeah. was so that i brushed that off months ago i was like whatever you know i just got it's going to be max brown just by default and now i'm thinking they like sam darnold a lot and probably more in a way. And so I just feel like he's going to start for USC. He's going to be their starting quarterback this year. I really feel that way. I I don't know what's going to happen to Max Brown. I think I, he I, might be starting for Alabama. Game one. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought that Brown, I got Brown with a lot to start the opener as well until Helton showed not to name him a starter. I think if he was your guy, if they look at it that way, that whatever happens in fall, we're going to name Brown a starter, then I think they would have already done it coming out of spring. I, I don't think they know. I think they're undecided with that opener. Um, Darnold, he, he almost feels like a number one draft pick in the NFL where it's only a matter of time before the job is his. Not a third-round pick like uh, Cody Kessler? <laughs> He's competing for the job, too, apparently, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. I, I don't know if that's good for Cody or that means really bad for the Browns. I don't know. Adam, I want to ask you something, though, because yeah. I keep throwing out there, Brown's going to transfer. I think it's going to happen. How likely do you think it's, it is that it'll happen? Because I know you know people might think, oh, you know, I'm just crazy because I'm kind of crazy. So I kind of want to get your take on that scenario. Well... Quarterbacks are typically a different breed of guy. And we saw that just this past weekend. We were talking to some of the other guys that USC is recruiting after Tua Tagovailoa, which we reported in, in Wartime Weekly. And we're going to get into that shortly here with Jan Albano of the Orange County Register. They have immense confidence in themselves. But there's also a bit of entitlement. Because there's only one that can play. And so they have to approach it that way. Like, I should be on the field. I'm the best person for the job. With that said, well, I know that Brown has a, a ton of confidence in himself. I don't know that he necessarily has uh, that entitled trait. You know, maybe as much as other guys. And so if, if they named Darnold the guy coming out of spring, then I'm pretty sure Brown would leave, which he should. But it, it's hard to say right now that, I mean, I'm, he's thinking about it, of course, but I think a, a part of him is, you know, that there's like a fire under him and he wants to come back in the fall. He's been here for over three years now at USC and, and win that job and, and prove that he should have already won it and that ultimately he's got, he hasn't lost anything yet. 
Now, he, he runs a major risk doing that because if he loses the job in training camp or even really in the, the first month, like you say, could happen, he's not going to get it back. It would have to be an injury to Darnold, but you lose that job to Darnold, it's very unlikely that you're getting back on the field. So but, what would you say is the probability? 50-50, you know? Well, just throw it out there, Adam. I want to hear it. I think it's I, I think it's a lot lower than you think. I think it would be like maybe like a twenty five percent chance where you know he's actually thinking about it right now, and he's maybe looking around. But I think the the likelihood that he pulls the trigger and asks for his release is low. I think he'll be there in the fall. Wow. Yeah. I really want to see Donald versus Brown in the opening game. I really do. That's what I'm pulling for. Because I feel like if he transfers, Alabama makes the most sense. You know? They, like, run the offense that fits him. He has so much talent around him. They need a quarterback. Lane Kiffin's there. I really want to see USC pick Donald and then have it be like, we'll see who's right. You know? And then if, really to stick the knife in in the second half, they just bring Tua out there just to really stick the knife in? He, he won't be there yet. No, I know. I'm just saying. He'll be on a visit. I know. I know. I'm just saying. Maybe just have him on the sideline smiling. <laughs> okay. Uh, waving. Yeah. Um, if, if Brown can't win the job after three years at USC, you think he's going to go somewhere where he's going to try to win the job in three weeks? Bam, but Bama needs quarterbacks, man. I don't know. We'll see. What would you advise him to do? Because you know what I would advise him to do. So I just would you just tell him to stay, Adam? I I don't think I'm I'm I I don't feel good saying that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I don't mind you asking me. I just I don't have a, a strong opinion on that at all. I got you. I, I think that as much as it seems like. Darnold's trending upward and and it, it, it's unstoppable. I think there is one person that can stop Darnold and that's Brown. I, I don't think the coaches have made up their mind about it. I, I It's obvious that they really like Darnold, but it isn't like they picked him coming out of training camp. I mean, excuse me, out of, out of spring practice. So, I think Max Brown still has a great opportunity before him. And they want to see more from him, clearly. So just to recap, Adam says it's 50-50 on who will win the job. He doesn't think Max Brown will transfer, and he's not sure what he would tell him to do. I say it's going to be Donald Brown will transfer, and I would tell him to transfer. (laughs) Yeah. That pretty much recaps all the angles of this. Uh, Why don't you guys this. ask the gardener outside, whoever he is? <laughs> it's not my place. I don't. So I, I know who the culprit is. <laughs> it's, not my, it's not my gardener. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right. All right. So there, uh, for this week at least, the Sam Darnold Max Brown debate. We will uh, tune in next week where we will continue probably the same debate. With little extra information, but that's okay. That's why you can come on in to the TrojanSports.com podcast. Well, we've got uh, Dan Albano from the Orange County Register on deck here in a moment, plus your questions from the message board. 
direct to trojansports.com. It looks like there's another foodie one in there uh, from, uh, from just glancing at it, so we look forward to that. Are you guys ready for Dan? Should we dial up the satellite phone? Yeah, hit him up. And another one of Adam Maya's friends, another part of the Adam Maya fraternity. He is from the Orange County Register, also ocvarsity.com. Dan Albano with us now on the Trojan Sports Podcast. Dan, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. So you, you are covering CIF diving and swimming right now as we speak, correct? That's right. You know, I'm the out ru- here at Riverside City College. Beautiful. Riverside, beautiful place. The rumor around town, and you know Adam Maya well, is that Adam actually has a swimmer's body. Like, he shaves it all down, keeps himself clean, <laughs> all that stuff, right? <laughs> you know, I thought Adam was more a basketball guy from what I what He I believes remember, he is but, as well, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, you're with the Orange County Register, OCVarsity.com. The reason we're having you on, though, of course, is USC is now looking to, re- uh, to, to replace that recruiting spot that Tua left us with. And there's three guys they're looking at, and you have covered all three of them, correct? Yes, I think the guys you're talking about, a trio of, of Orange County quarterbacks I have covered, yes. So let's start at the top of the list. Uh, there's Jack Sears, Tyron Lytle, or Little, and Chase Garbers. Let's start with Jack and Jack Sears. Well, you know, I think Jack is the most national of the, those three recruits, um, the county's got. I mean, he's coming off a great junior year. You know, uh, seventy-one. He's got re- some ridiculous stats, just like Chase Garbers does as well. But you know, seventy-one percent uh, completion percentage um, through for thirty-seven touchdowns, only two interceptions, and he ran for almost nine hundred yards and uh, nine touchdowns. You know, he's a very polished. Um, he's an excellent athlete. He's got he's he's got some deceptive speed at the quarterback position. He's he's, he's fast. Um, he's got some really good. Uh, field uh, leadership qualities. I think he's, uh, you know, he's he's very accurate with the pass. Uh, you know, as his stats his bore out last year, but he's got some real good leadership. Um, he's probably the most physical, gifted um, of these uh, three quarterbacks. I would say um, he's a good-looking athlete and uh, a national recruit. Um, you know, he's not. He's he's pretty much. I think you know uh, he's kind of out of that Sam Darnold uh, mold. I would say. You know, for fans, you know, that, you know, think about Sam, uh, uh, Jack could do a lot of the same things. Yeah, his uh, coach told me that as well. How similar, how different? What what would you say is a little bit different between Jack Sears and Sam Darnold? You know, I think, uh, I think one of the differences, I don't think he's as athletic as Sam Darnold was, you know, um, but he is, he's, you know, he's very good. I mean, Darnold was, He's a little bit off the charts because of his basketball, um, you know, background where he was hurtling, you know, defensive backs that come up to tackle him. That's what Darnold could do. Um, you know, Sertle, um, Sears is not doing that kind of stuff, but he's, you know, he's got some good speed. Um, as far as when he does scramble, he runs for a lot of yards. Um, he hasn't, yeah, San Clemente didn't unleash him uh, passing-wise. Um, a ton, as I think he will this year. So I think this year he's got some more upside in that way um, to catch up with Sam on the, in the passing department. But I think he's pretty advanced as a junior. Um, I, I, you know, one play, you know, when I was talking about his leadership, I mean, there was a play in the in the uh, the semifinal round of the playoffs he ran last year where he caught a touchdown pass, but the way it was the way he lined up at the line of scrimmage, you know, and uh, some of his cadence. Some of his, you know, he really sold, uh, he lined up at quarterback in the shotgun position. He was acting like, the, you know, he was making some movements like the snap was going to come to him directly, and he flexed out to wide receiver. I mean, he sold this as a really mature kind of move, uh, really veteran move as a junior. He caught a touchdown pass, 
in a big game. That's you know that that's the kind of stuff. He's a, he's a heady kid. Um, he's pretty advanced, you know. Um, uh, for he was really advanced as a junior, I think, last year. What about Tyler Lytle over that at Skirvite? He seems to be maybe like a a budding star. You know, Tyler, he's the, he's the tallest of the group. He's about six foot five. Um, he's got the smallest um, sample sizes in terms of his you know high school film and, and things that he accomplished last year as a, as a junior because he he was injured, so he played in about six games for Servite. But there were definitely times when you could see him play and you could see his potential because uh, he's a big guy that sees the field well. He can, he was standing in the pocket and um, has he he's. He's smooth with his release. He's got he's got a good arm, just like all these guys do. Um, he doesn't have he did not he wasn't able to show the athleticism and the speed running you know scrambling uh, ability like a Jack Sears and, and Chase is really deceptive with his with his speed um, and that was he's just not he's not that uh, there uh, with those guys from what I saw last year but uh, you know he, there you know there was there were one of the games I saw him play against was Jay Sarah and he ended up having you know broke a a very nice run, but that it was a play that he got uh, unfortunately got hurt on. Um, but he was breaking a 30, 40 yard run um, with what him seeing the field, and he really timed it well. And, and but he's he's not the the quite he wouldn't show the quite the athleticism and the speed uh, that the other kids uh, do. But I think he's got a lot of potential. He you know one of his games last year he threw for uh, 422 yards against Fountain Valley early in the season, you know, and I think that was soon after that his uh, cow offer came. So there's a lot of potential with him. Uh, you know, and the thing I think what works in Lytle's favor is that he's from the toughest league. Uh, you know, he plays in the Trinity League. He's, you know, um, you know he's got this, by far the toughest competition, which I think will help him uh, make him more attractive to college recruiters. All right, and finally, Chase Garber's down there at CDM, Crono Del Mar. Yeah, Garber's, you know, he's another guy. You know, he's got good size as well. He's 6'3", 205, so he's very similar Uh you know, to uh, Jack Sears in terms of that. Uh, you know, Chase also had unbelievable stats. I mean, he completed 69% of his passes. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just amazing for high school uh, quarterbacks. It's, you know, you know, Jack Sears was 71%. Chase comes in at 69. Um, he threw 33 touchdowns, only three interceptions. So between Chase and Jack Sears, there's only five interceptions uh, for the whole entire year. He all, and Chase also ran for about 500 yards. Um, he throws a real nice uh, deep ball. He seems to have a real good timing on his deep ball. It puts uh, some good air under it to, uh, for his receivers to run underneath it. Um, he's also got a lot of uh, good intangibles, I think, that you know that came across like I would describe with, with Sears, which was uh, that, that field generalship that Sears has. Uh, Chase has a lot of that presence, too. Chase is a very tough kid. I, I, a game that stands out to me would be last year's in the – in their quarterfinal loss, I believe it was, they lost to Buena Park. He was real. He was real tough in that game. He's got. He's deceptively fast. He he scrambled well against some good athletes on Buena Park. He took some hits and got up, popped up, and completed his passes. And he's a real competitor. And um, I think. And I, you know, from following Chase's recruiting during the spring, I think he's a, he's a guy that. Uh, well, I say, you know, uh, Jack Sears is a national recruiter. I think Chase is starting to catch up, and he's starting to get. Um, some interest as well, you know. I, I you think about that early offer. His first offer was from Boise State, and uh, that you know I think that was a real smart boy, uh, smart move by Boise to get on this kid. But you know, as we've seen, the the Pac-12 offers have come uh, for Chase, and I think with good reason. All right, you mentioned that right now Jack Sears is 
probably the most advanced of the three. They're all going to be about 17 years old. If you had to project at when they're 20 years old, who do you think has the highest upside of the three? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I like all the upside of them. You know, <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, but if I, you know, I had to pick one, you know, from what I've seen, I, I would say uh, I'd probably just go with, you know, what I've evaluated so far. And I think I'd be Sears. I think he's, he seems to be the most uh, physical. Uh, I, I think he's got the most physical skills of the group. So, um, but, you know, you're, you know, uh, three or four years from now, you know, um, and I, I know who, who knows how, uh, Lida will look, you know, he's already he's six, five, he's grown since last year. I haven't got to see these guys, you know, in the spring, unfortunately, uh, so far yet, but I, I, I think there's no reason that, you know, you, it's hard to say, um, yeah. you know, how Lido's going to look, you know, um, Chase is, uh, improving and, and his stock's going up, but from what I've seen right now, the guy that I think, you know, I think he's the most national, um, you know, has gotten the re- most recruiting interest in it. You know, then that's, you know, go Sears. Dan Albano with us from Orange County Register, ocvarsity.com. Now, when we talk about what's currently on the team, not the recruiting standpoint, of course, is the battle between Max Brown and Sam Darnold. Dan, are you surprised at all that Darnold has put himself in the contention that he has for the starting job at USC so soon? Not at all. Now, we, all the guys at the OC Register, you know, I, I work with, you know, some excellent writers and we, you know, we certainly miss Adam, but you know, a lot of the guys that I work with guys like, you know, our veteran writer, um, Steve Fryer, um, with the register. I mean, we all liked, uh, uh, Sam Darnold. I mean, he was uh, a after the year type candidate. He's got such a great, um, basketball background with that extra athleticism. And, um, you know, he threw a real, a real strong arm, uh, big, big kid, physical kid, fast kid. And, um, you know, when we got to be around Sam at some of like the photo shoots, um, and I got to spend a little bit more time with him and talk to him and kind of see what he's about. There's a, there's a, there's a strong fire that, that burns in, uh, Sam as a competitor. And, uh, it's, uh, it doesn't always come out as easy as, you know, in some ways for the high school kids where, you know, he's not the, um, in high school, I, I didn't take him as a, uh, a, a big express. Uh, he wasn't the most expressive guy, I think with maybe some of his emotions, um, or, some of his interviews, but, uh, and, and he was, a he was a pretty humble kid. He was a kind of a quiet kid, a team oriented guy. He went, uh, he played, you know, he, he went from football into basketball and, and then, he, you know, he kind of put the football away and just went in right into basketball. So I think, uh, so I, I know he has that competitive drive and he's, um, uh, he's also a guy, I think that he, a lot of guys will gravitate to. I could see a lot of guys, uh, wanted to play with him and, and, and follow him as a leader. Um, he's, he's a real team-oriented guy. And uh, it'll, some of the stuff I take away, you know, I, I draw some of these conclusions when I, I talk to him about, you know, like passing league, I mean, and, and some of the seven-on stuff that, you know, this is prior to his senior year. And he talked about how he wanted to play with his high school guys, and he wasn't a big seven-on independent kind of guy. And I'm not saying that one way is the other is – is, is I'm not you know saying which one is better the way to go, but that was a little bit of Sam is that he was uh, you know I want to play with my San Clemente guys and we're trying to have the best year we can. I'm kind of spending time and he's not a, he wasn't a big social media guy at the time. And again, I'm not making any kind of judgments on which way that is, but that's just kind of a little bit of uh, of I took uh, the way I took uh, Sam. So I'm not surprised and you know if uh, if he surprises people, I think sometimes it will be because of some of these reasons where. You know, you, you just can't, you know, he's a guy that if you overlook him, you know, 
he, you know, he will surprise you. Dan, I'm actually going to ask you now for an opinion on the on that actual uh, on who's going to win in your opinion. Do you think Sam Darnold has what it what it takes? Prediction time. <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, I think what has you know. I think he'll probably uh, he probably won't win. I think because you, you have to give that that you know the you know Max has been there already, and uh, the, the, you cannot discount the time and uh, that 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 young man's already put in and he's been there and he's got that advantage. Uh, and I think uh, those are those are big factors. But um, but we'll see how it how it plays out. And if there's there's openings, I think uh, Darnold will be uh, will be will be right there, ready and willing uh, to step in. But you know he's 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 behind. I think just based on uh, you know the, the calendar events with uh, how these guys arrived at SC. There you go on Twitter at OC Varsity Guy Dan Albano, friend of Adam Ayas. Now I, I got to ask you one more thing: if you had to have a, a lunch with one person, would it be Adam Maya or Michael Lev? <laughs> for when, when am I picking for now? Just a lunch, just a just a hour lunch oh, to lunch. talk to to have a friendship reunion with your former uh, register cohorts. <laughs> you know, I've spent more times in the press box uh, with Adam. Oh, I've had, uh, spent a few more few more times with Adam at some passing leagues. Um, yeah. we uh, so we 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 covered a few passing leagues over the years. We uh, we covered a few. Uh, the last game I covered with Adam, I believe. Was a, was a, it was a dandy of a game up at uh, St. Bonaventure. I think we were up there oh, yeah. all the way up in Ventura County covering modern day against St. Bonaventure. <laughs> Ricky Town. Uh, Thomas Doherty was uh, maybe the best player on the field. I guess that turned out okay for Thomas. Yeah. And um, we were seeing some great athletes, and uh, that, was a, that was kind of a bounce back here for modern day. So I would say uh, that's the last time I really talked to Adam. So I, I would have to pick Adam. No disrespect to uh, – Mr. Michael uh, Michael Lev, who I did see at some press boxes as well, a very hard hardworking guy um, as well. But uh, I probably have to I have to see you know I, I have to stick with my you know my, my high school guys. You know, yeah. Lev is a uh, a college guy. He's uh, he's big time, and uh, yeah, I got to stick with the guys that I you know uh, I I hung out with the high school ranks. I got to stay true to my 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 uh, my calling. Beautiful. Dan Albano, Orange County Register, OCVarsity.com, at OCVarsityGuy. Dan, thank you for joining us. I'm sure Adam is going to call you in the near future to have you on again. Yeah, I got to wire him that money. (laughs) Thank you. There you go. All right, Dan. Great talking to you guys. Take care, man. All right, bye. And yes, thank you to Dan Albano, the Orange County Register. I wanted to ask Dan about his Twitter feed. Because there's, uh, there's one repost he made. And I know he covers swimming. But I don't know if we needed the retweet of the young high school students shaving themselves before a, uh, a swim meet? Is that necessary? Like, we know that they're going to prepare. Do we need uh, the photo evidence? Adam, I, your thoughts? Come again? Well, look at his Twitter feed. There's pictures of uh, young men shaving themselves. I'm good. Okay. To, to each their own, right? Speaking of men shaving themselves, the one and only Chris Swanson is here. And, Chris, were you as heartbroken as I was last week? When Tate Martell and the Martell clan decided they're going to take their commitment off the table and thus become public enemy number one for many Aggie fans. 
No, I was actually excited because I said on the podcast recently that there's no way in heck he was going to... Hey, look at me edit myself. Uh, he was going to stay committed to Texas A&M. Right. And uh, it happened, so I was actually kind of happy. There you uh, go. You I, right. I wasn't happy about the whole aftermath with, with the coach. I thought that was weird. You know, the coach basically saying... Yeah, saying like, oh, my dad would whip my ass. So he's implying that, you know, somebody should beat up Tate Martell, basically, because he decommitted. Uh, And uh, I didn't, you know, the whole screenshotted DM thing. I thought that was sad, you know, that that's out there and people are judging this kid. And, you know, all for something that none of these kids should really be making decisions until signing day anyway. True. Uh, you know, because the the schools don't know if they want them. You know, all these coaches, change, they move around. So, really, the schools don't know if they want these kids until signing day. The, the kids don't really know what they want in a college, and all this is fluid. I mean, when I was in college, there was a time when I thought, yeah, I should transfer. So, you know, obviously, favorites change. Yes. Uh, constantly. Uh, even for me. So I just think it should all happen on signing day. I think it's sad. I think Tate Martell's a good guy. I've met him a few times. I feel bad. I feel like we're not going to hear from him again in the recruiting process. I don't think. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't think. Why is why is he or his family going to talk to anybody now after all this That is stuff true. That is true. Happened. They might go silent now. So, yeah, we're just not going to hear from them until he commits. Somewhere. By the way, uh, friend of Trojansports.com, Murph Baldwin, and I get into it heavy on this weekend's past Rivals Roundtable. Remember that show Blair and I used to do? Well, now possibly no. it's Murph Baldwin and Chris Morales. Murph was trying out as co-host this past weekend, but we dig into this a lot. Murph had a lot of good points. You could always hear that at podcastarena.com slash rivals. Shameless plug. Adam, you were going to say something. I had no idea that you had a show at Blair. But, um, you didn't? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, I did. Yes, I know. Swanson, right now, I guess, where would you handicap USC's chances with Kate Martell? I don't think it's high. Um, you know, I think I think there's a few things going on. I think USC would probably take him just looking at who they've offered, who they're looking at. Um, I think that he would be up there for them. Uh, I think that he's discovered, you know, because of the whole how everything went with Tua Tagovailoa, that, you know, they had other priorities besides him. That's a big deal to a prospect. I think that, you know, the the offense that isn't really set in stone what they're doing is kind of confusing what USC's offense is. They don't have an identity. I think that kind of turns some people off. I think the death chart turns Tate Martell off, you know, because especially if Sam Darnold wins this job, even if he doesn't, he's going to be around for a while, it seems like. So... I don't know. I just think that there's too many things really standing in the way of USC and Tate Martell being a match. I'd be surprised if it happened. Okay. Well, let's talk about the other guys a little bit here. We we uh, got some good insight from Dan Albano. What do you think about USC so aggressively pursuing any of these guys down in Orange County? Because clearly... These guys were not on their radar just three months ago. Yeah, they need somebody on the roster. I think that, that that's what we're seeing. They they need somebody on the roster, um, especially if Max Brown or Jalen Green leaves um, or both of them leave. They need some guys. Uh, so they're, they're looking for guys to – to reach for and you know when i say reach it's not it's a reach for usc not for you know back 12 programs or whatever jack sears is really good and could be really good at usc a couple of these other guys i feel the same way about as well 
but they're they're looking to you know to get somebody in this class. That's what they need. Somebody that's a competent Division One quarterback in this class. That's how they feel. That's what they're trying to do. I think that the guys they're looking at have some good tools. I think Jack Sears is a really high quality quarterback. Um, I think he could be a star wherever he goes. I really do feel that way. Uh, you know, Tyler Lytle, I think he has the physical tools. We just haven't seen enough of him. I think he might end up being something really special. Maybe a guy that people said, hey, if he wasn't hurt, if he had been playing all the time, maybe he's, you know, really highly ranked. Uh, maybe he ends up being something really good. Chase Garbers, you know, obviously isn't that big, big name, but he's done a lot of, you know, he has a lot of nice looking tape. Uh, in high school right now, and I think he could develop into something too. I like all these guys. I think they compare with with Matt Fink and maybe even you know, uh, maybe Garbers ranks a little bit ahead of Matt Fink, or is even you know maybe Jack Sears is a little bit better than Matt Fink in my opinion. So it would be okay if USC got one of these guys. I think I think everything would be okay. I think any of them could end up being pretty good. We reported on each of them, including Markel, in our latest Wartime Weekly. There's a lot of good uh, insight in that piece. But I will share that if Lytle or Garber gets an offer from USC, I think either one of them will jump on it and commit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Where with Jack Sears, who got an offer last week, He's undecided. He has more options. And I think USC probably has some ground to make up with him. And I don't know how excited he would be about going to USC and then backing up Sam Darnold again. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. I, I'm not sure they get him. And it's, it's a weird feeling because you think like, you know, USC misses on a couple options out west. They go to, you know, down the list, their third option, the local kid, the best kid in Southern California available. You think USC gets that guy, and I'm not sure it's going to happen this year. Yeah. We'll get, they'll, they'll be getting a quarterback. They're going to get one of them. Yeah, they, they will. They will. It's just I think that Jack Sears is probably, you know, the next guy, he's probably ahead of you know the the other guys we're talking about in terms of you know potential or what people expect from him. And you know USC already offered him, and so I think they already showed that they would take him before those two. And uh, we'll see. I mean, if they get him, I I think that I honestly think there's potential here for USC to end up you know doing something pretty special in this classic quarterback. If they do get Jack Sears, I think he could be really good. It could end up working out well for him. Uh, for them so we'll see uh, but I, I'm not sure they're going to get up it's going to be a tough battle I think do you think they should uh, you know put on a full court press on Kate Martell I don't know because Tate Martell USC led at one point and there seemed like there was time for him to kind of you know pick them or you know, really show that they were. It, it seems like there's enough in the way of him committing to USC that it doesn't seem worth it to try to get through all those roadblocks. I don't know if you're going to change his mind about the 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 depth chart um, or the offense. 
Uh, I remember, I think Adam Gorney mentioned on last week's podcast that the family had some issues with the campus, too, that they weren't excited about where it was located. Maybe that's a roadblock, too. Uh, I think that, you know, he's committed to, to another school before you as well. I know he decommitted, but it just seems like maybe it's just time to, to try to get somebody else to go in a fresh direction. I'm not saying don't recruit him, but... I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket because I feel like you might end up without a quarterback if you do that. Well, and Tate Martell's dad made it clear it was about Mazzoni becoming part of A&M and that the change in the offense. So you make a good point that the offense always ends in play, but that family just seems weird, you know? Seemed too involved with the family and the recruiting stuff. You know, no, Tate you Martell know. was making points about his sister getting a hard time on Twitter last week, and it's like, well... Why is she involved? Why, if they don't want to be involved, why are they putting their name out there? You know what I mean? See, I, I disagree, Chris Brown, because I think that he's a high school kid. Um, I think that you know families don't know how to deal with these things. I mean, like we follow recruiting, and you know we we get what's going on, and we have opinions on what should happen. I know the fans do too, and they follow it closely. But most people don't follow college recruiting, and you know it's their first time experiencing it when it, when it starts happening. I think that he probably made. You know, in eighth, when he committed to Washington way back in the day, when he's very young, he made a decision they thought was right. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian left, a bunch of stuff happened. It wasn't the right decision to commit. I think he thought he made the right decision again. Then a coach comes in uh, from UCLA that, you know, maybe doesn't even like him because UCLA didn't offer Tate Martell when, when right. Noam was always the offensive coordinator. That changes things. That, that goes back to my point about why everybody should just commit on signing day because you don't know what's going to happen. Everything's fluid. I think that people go into things with good intentions. They commit. Everything's peachy and working right then, and it works for them, and then things change. I think that's what happens. You know, we can all speculate about who's a prima donna, who likes the attention or whatever, but I don't think that's usually the case. I think it's just kids that don't really know what to do, you know, trying to figure it all out. What do you think about a quarterback committing and then taking all of their official visits? That's something that he made it a point that he wanted to do. Obviously, now he's uncommitted. But other quarterbacks note that they will not do that, that once they make their commitment, then they'll only take one official visit to the school they committed to. You know, I th- I, I thought it was strange uh, when I heard it because, you know, usually there's that early commitment for quarterbacks and it's like, I'm going here because you're the one guy. You're you know, the guy that they need and that they've committed to. And, you know, you pick your school earlier. There's just kind of an unwritten rule that that's what happens for quarterbacks. With Tate Martell, it's different. Um, when he decided to take all of his official visits, you know, after coming to Texas A&M, they brought in a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, they told him that they were going to take two quarterbacks. All of a sudden, things changed. Uh, so for that reason, I excuse him saying he's going to look. I think at that time he probably knew he was going to decommit from Texas A&M. And he was just open enough to say, I'm going to look around. Uh, so it was less of a shock maybe. But, you know, mm. I, I don't hold it against him because I think it's a sp- specific situation. But you're right. I think it, it was unique and it was strange. And, yeah, usually I look for a quarterback to say, I'm committed I'm not looking like I am the most committed person on this team. You know, that's that's usually how it works. Yeah, it, it's complicated. And that's why I think USC will ultimately look to get one of these other guys down in Orange County that we're talking about because I think if they were to secure either of their commitments, they'll they'll hold it until signing day. Oh, yeah. 
if one of these local kids commits, it's it's done. Yeah, I'm willing to say that. Now, right. if Tay Martell does come to USC, you know what also comes to USC with him, probably. Right, Chris Swanson. Tyjon great- Lindsay yeah, and Bubba Bolden. Well, yeah, that could be. Speaking of, uh, of Tay Martell, though, the greatness because I mentioned his sister getting Twitter, uh, Twitter uh, trouble. The greatness of Riley Michelle Martell, his sister. And be again, careful. No, be it's careful. Not, be, not being careful because she has put herself out there on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. How does his sister have ten thousand Instagram followers? Chris Swanson. Come on, I don't know. Um, no I've never seen I, her account. I, Adam, I, are you even on the Insta? No. Oh, you should be. Should be on the Instagram. <laughs> Me and B and Google, we we get all crazy sometimes. Yeah, I'm, each other. I'm a married man. Well, that doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong with being on Instagram. Legally. Oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with being on Instagram. <laughs> I will say Where that... Where is legally married as well. Yeah. I will say, though, Chris Morales, since you seem interested in the subject, I think she might be coming to USC anyway, because I, oh, okay. I think there's something going on with her and uh, Bubba Bolden. So you might see her out here at USC anyway, no matter where Tate goes. We'll see. All right. Uh, thank you again to Dan Albano. You think Dan Albano is a Paisan or is he Hispanic? Adam, he's your friend. What do you know? Latin. You think he's Latin? Yeah. All the way through? No. No? You think he's, a, he's half somewhere? Yeah. Okay, beautiful. We'll have to have him on again. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you half? I am half. You know which half? Yeah, the top half. Again. Uh, <laughs> well, no, top half Hispanic, bottom half Italian. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know. Speaking yeah. of Italian... There's rumors that somebody's asking us about us uh, about the favorite Italian restaurant coming up on the bell, on the boards there at TrojanSports.com. All right, we're gonna take a break, maybe take a cold shower, wash uh, all this filth off, and then we'll be back right here on the TrojanSports.com podcast. You're listening to this week's edition of the TrojanSports.com podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and never miss a moment of your favorite fellas yapping about your Trojans each week. Plus, some fun and frivolity along the way. Okay. I, I don't think you realize, uh, last week in the podcast, you pronounced Rojo as Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Stay locked in. More of the Trojansports.com podcast next. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by Rivals. Hi, this is Chris Morales from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we could all use that. With a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. The shortest breaks known to man. The boys are back. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. And remember, everything you need for the best in-depth coverage of the Trojan. From recruiting to the message boards you love. It all lives on Trojansports.com from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. But the magic that is on the tapes, that is ours. And you don't own that. My mind's telling me no. Oh, yeah. Cobra! Attack! But my body... Galito! My body's telling me yes. Baby! Yeah. I don't 
Back on the Trojansports.com podcast, your Monday, May 9th, 2016, this edition of the Trojansports.com podcast brought to you by, uh, well, nobody yet, but it might be brought to you by Chris Swanson's taco truck next to his house. We mentioned in the first segment that the fellas watched the fight together. By fellas, I mean Adam and Chris. And they went to a taco truck for dinner. And during the break, even though it's a short break, sometimes we have conversations amongst ourselves. And what came about this is that I guess Adam created some fury because he wanted to go get food right away, and they missed some of the the undercard fight. I I brought up why not you just pause it, but that seemed to be a a whole challenge on that. But more importantly, Chris Swanson says that sometimes he'll just call the order into the taco truck. Oh, yeah. Why now, not? Now, so they've got a phone on the taco truck? And I don't, mean really. this, I don't mean this in the worst way, because I, I'm part Latino. But you can understand them enough on the taco truck to place an order to go? Because sometimes, yeah, I, you know, it's a, little, it's a well, little tough. Oh, my gosh. I just call and say things. So. Yeah, you just say things? like I just say, hey, Asada Tacos. Hey, Wang. No, that's a different movie. Sorry. Um, that's a different truck probably, too. <laughs> Hey, this truck, by the way, it took 25 minutes. Wait a minute, it took how long? 25. 25 minutes to make a burrito. Yeah, so the undercard, the undercard fight, the final one, it ended at, I want to say, 7.38. I don't know. And I figured we had more than enough time to drive to the taco truck, get a burrito, and drive right back. It was less than a mile away from where he lived. And we drive over there, we park, we order right away, we wait for 25 minutes. And then we walk in uh, back to his apartment. Did you have a beverage while you were waiting? Did you get one of the Mexican Cokes out of the ice? They didn't have them. I had a a Snapple Apple. Oh, my God. A Snapple Apple and a taco truck? They they didn't have the the Manzanita or the... Say uh, Manzanita one more time slower for me. (laughs) Manzanita? Beautiful. (laughs) Um, Or uh, what's the uh, Haricos? What kind of taco truck is this? It's got Snapple Apple, but it doesn't have a Mexican Coke. It doesn't have any Manzanita. Nope. Wow. Haricos, nothing. They do make, no. they're a bunch of authentic Mexican drinks. They're just not something Adam would order. He wants his specific soda. You what know, are you talking well, about? I, I like a, a Mexican Coke while I wait. You know, the, whatever, all, the, all those fancy little drinks they make, you know, they, they I, have <laughs> on the menu. They have a whole menu with their little specialty drinks, you know. I, I'm an orange bang kind of guy. I like what? a nice orange bang. An orange bang's a nice item, Clark. It's a good, but you got to put a lot of ice in that thing. I like a nice orange thing. I'm not a horchata guy. Nah. I am part of that word, but that's a whole other thing. But not a horchata guy. Um, but yeah, I like a nice orange bang. And now everyone's going to ask us what our favorite taco truck is next week. <laughs> I think we get that. Did I know. We did tacos. We didn't do taco trucks specifically. Yeah, it's so different. It is so yeah. different. Not not Chris's. No, no, don't go. But I do like, I want to record the phone conversation next when Chris calls in to the taco <laughs> right. truck. <laughs> All right, we get, it's time to call in for a question from the message board at trojansports.com. We cue the music, and we begin. Alex Bow, have there been any new rumor developments with the Coliseum Romato? Any hyperlinks? ColiseumRenovation.com. Don't know if anybody's been to that site. It is a nice site, though. Uh, I, for one, was surprised that the Sun Deck 
would remain if they were doing a remodel. Were you guys uh, surprised that the sun deck would remain? Uh, I'm just kind of surprised, you know, that a few things are remain. The, the biggest surprise to me is those ugly end zone seats that they have in front of the peristyle. You'd think that somehow, some way, they'd be able to incorporate the peristyle seating, you know, into a USC game. So that's all. That's the only thing I'm upset about is that, uh, you know, they're not figuring that out. To me, if you don't figure that out, it's not really a big deal. What you renovate. I'm sure the Coliseum needs some new bathrooms. I remember last time I was there, you know, not in the press box. It's a funky situation. So there's probably a bunch of stuff to do. Uh, Sun deck. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I want those end zone seats fixed, though. That's my thing. I'm indifferent. You're indifferent about the sun deck? I don't really like it either. Now, are we talking about the sun deck on top of the press box? No, to to the side. On, on either side of it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. I wouldn't really uh, worry about that. But whatever. they have like a whole buffet thing. It's for like you know people mm-hmm. that spend a lot of money. I think. But you could just extend the press box and then allow those people into that area of the press box. And allow us to go to that buffet. <laughs> it looks really good. <laughs> yeah, we're not allowed into it. Yeah. Now, with some of these new suites, are we going to get a, a Trojansports.com suite, Chris Swanson? Oh, sure thing. <laughs> I just have to fire everyone, including myself. That's okay. So. But I'll have a suite, dude. That'll be awesome. So with this renovation, do you think that there will be more events at the Coliseum outside of just – I mean, obviously, we've got Rams football here for a couple of years. But outside of uh, just Trojan games? Yeah. I think so. I guess. So. They do pretty good business now anyway, so – I don't know. Hmm. Oh, yeah, Alex Bell. Well, ColosseumRenovation.com. All your information about the future of the Coliseum. All right, Trojan Fan 68, our friend Nick from Cyprus. Hi, everybody. A man who's probably been to a few taco trucks in his life. First, want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Thanks, Nick. Roll call shout-out to Chris Swanson, Chris Morales, a.k.a. Rodriguez, Mr. 305, Mike Singer, Adam Gorney getting a mention, Rip, yes, I said Rip, to Blair, the Dirty Brew in Anguo, and the man who makes this podcast awesome, Adam Maya. Thank you. First question is, can you give your thoughts on the early departure on the basketball team of uh, <laughs> Janovic, uh, and Jacobs? Uh, yeah, Jovanovic. Yeah, I figured I'd screw that up. Jovanovic. No, he, he screwed it up. He screws it up every week on me. You would think I would remember. And Jacobs. Second question is, does USC have any All-Americans on the team? Last year, we had none. Does that change this year? Lastly, notice how many times he says last in a, in a, in a whole paragraph. <laughs> last, um, since graduation time from USC, what are some of your favorite memories of graduating from college, i.e. parties, friends, classes, teachers, etc.? Fight on. Wow. Always a lot from Nick. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Very dense question, as always. All right, um, the early departures. Uh, Adam, actually, do you you had a little scoop on this or something, right? If I remember, maybe you didn't want to reveal it on the podcast. I don't know, but I, I thought care. you had. I you mean, don't I'm, care? I'm hearing I'm hearing that Jovanovic will sign an agent and he'll be leaving as well. Uh, Julian Jacobs reportedly has already done that, and. 
I think it's kind of strange because neither one of them was invited to the uh, pre-draft combine. It's doubtful that they'll get drafted. Julian might go in the second round. That's where he's at now. But he's not going in the first round. And the second round is a non-guaranteed contract. You're likely not in the NBA. You're going to be in the D League. And does it make more sense to play next year in the D League than play for, you know, be the best player on USC and maybe, you know, compete for a a Pac-12 title? I mean, he won't get paid that well leaving. And he'll probably improve his draft stock a little bit. I I think he can improve it more than a little bit, but at at worst, it's not going to drop. He's a great athlete. So that's Julian. I'm surprised. I'm surprised when you're not invited to that that combine that you would decide to to forego a final year. And then with, with Jovanovic... I really don't understand with him. I mean, maybe he's just comfortable going to Europe because I think that's where he's going to end up. I don't see him playing in the NBA. Now, what I'm hearing is that he thinks that when he works out for teams privately, they're going to fall in love with him. And, hey, I hope that happens. And maybe that happens for Julian as well. But with Nicola, I felt like even with the addition of a Shaquan Aaron and maybe a Garrett Thornton, I don't think his role changes that much. He was already, you know, their their third guy, sometimes their fourth guy. I think you know, he's still their their premier front court player. And I, I think that at least offensively, I think Meku has a really high ceiling and can break out. But I, I would I would expect that Nicole is gonna get, you know, between twenty five and thirty two minutes a game. And so I don't think he's as impacted as maybe Julian Jacobs might be by by being there. With Julian, um, he was a co-point guard with Jordan McLaughlin. And so adding Aaron and Thornton, a couple, you know, wings, a couple guards, he's probably not the, the co-point guard anymore. I think Jordan probably just takes that role himself. And then Julian's role is impacted by the addition of those other two guys. Even though I, I still think he's their best player right now. And I'd, I'd like to see them all there. I think that if they're all there, USC is in position to be great next year. Uh, especially great for them. And and they're contenders for that conference. So I thought it would be nice to, to get the, the band back together. Uh, my cutoff was really Kate and Reinhardt. When, when the two Maliks wanted to go... And, and Gary and Clark want to go. That all makes sense to me because they had such small roles on the team, almost no role at times. And then even with Kate, and I felt like, okay, he might get drowned out by these other guys. And I know that he wants more. And that guy's kind of been his thing for a long time. You'll remember he was committed to USC coming out of high school. And then because... Kevin O'Neill wouldn't guarantee him that he would be the, the a point guard. He went to UNLV. And so he went to UNLV, ended up back at USC after O'Neill got, got fired. So 
I think his whole mindset is so different that USC would have been fine uh, moving on from him. But Julian and Jovanovic, that, that hurts. Do I even have to answer this one? Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Okay, I, I just think that they, they didn't want to be there. It's obvious, you know. If you leave and you're getting drafted high, it's obvious why you're leaving. If you leave and you're not getting drafted and, you, you know, you don't care, you're signing with agents anyway, you don't want to be at USC. I don't know why. Maybe they feel like they're done developing there. They, they've, the coaches have taken them as far as they can go. Uh, maybe, you know, they, you know, like you mentioned, Jovanovic is, is comfortable in Europe. That's where he wants to be. And Jacobs is just ready to go pro and get out of school. Maybe they don't like school. I don't know. But whatever it is, they obviously just they don't want to be at USC because I think they had a good thing going at USC. I think they could have been a pretty good team next year. Um, they both had roles and they didn't care. And they left. So they don't want to be there. But it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. Don't worry, we're still on Nick from Cyprus. Yeah, I know, I know. I wasn't moving forward just yet. Okay, okay, good. I just want to make sure because yeah, yeah. I know it's so dense. Okay. Um, he wants to know if, if there are any All-Americans on the team. Yeah, one, Juju Smith-Schuster. That's it. Hmm. Yeah. If you're not going, you know, 12-2, and two, then you have to have some big-time stacks, typically, to be an All-American. So while I think they have a few players that I would consider an All-American talent, let me run off a couple of names here. Justin Davis, Ronald Jones second. Rojo. Adore Jackson. I think... I think those three right now would be my... Iman Marshall. For 2016? He's going to be a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. So, he's that, three and done, so you would think that he's going to have an All-American season, you know, okay. this year or next year, right? So I, I had him in another category of people who I think could be an All-American before they leave. Okay. I, I That's, fair. Being, That's fair. That's fair, too. Yeah, I would just put him in that. I'd be ready for him to take that jump this year if I'm right. looking at guys. That's just me. Okay. Now, yeah, the guys I, I mentioned, Adori and, and Rojo and Justin, I think they, they're ready to be an All-American now, but I don't know that they're going to they're gonna produce like an All-American. Um, like or the way that you have to if you're on a... You know, if you're if you're not on a twelve and two team, like Sua Cravens, I, I felt like was an All American last year and the year before, and he didn't make first team either year, and I think in part it was in part because they won nine and eight games, and had they won eleven, then he gets it. I mean, even even Leonard wasn't a uh, a consensus first team All American in twenty fourteen because they won nine games, so. I think Juju is probably the the one guy that you could expect would uh, would be making a play for it this year, and I think Adoree Jackson as well. Depending on if they give him credit for everything he's doing, he might not accrue the numbers that you're looking for at one position, but he obviously is having as much impact as as anyone often time, and so. 
those two guys can be All-American. And then I think Justin Davis and Ronald Jones are All-American talents who, because of each other, really, might not be recognized as an All-American. And then there's a handful of guys like Biggie who I think can be All-American before they leave. Um, People within the program, I've heard them say that they think and of course they're not they're biased but they they think that Sam Darnold will be a Heisman contender before it's all said and done there you go nice alright I believe it's time for the the final part of Nick's question which was college experience now I first have to say I didn't go to college but I would have been I would have had a what? I probably would have been thrown out though you? yeah I probably would have been thrown out <laughs> how do you get thrown out of college? Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, dude. You, you, you can, I almost, like, break the law. I almost got thrown out of college. Exactly. <laughs> and I did break the law, so there you go. How well, not we, really. We not start really. with uh, we start with Adamaya and his college experience, like running naked with a Trojan horse, doing a beer pong down Figueroa. I remember that. Yeah, it was last week. Exactly. Uh, Adamaya, take it away. What a time to be alive. Okay. I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go back, I'm going to bring it back to football. I was uh, fortunate to cover the football team while I was there. And I saw a lot. I, I got there when Pete Carroll and, and company arrived in 2001 when that dynasty uh, began. And I'll kick it to my, my final year. 2005, I was traveling with the team that year, and I covered the Notre Dame game in South Bend. USC had, I believe, a 26-game a winning streak. I think that game made it 27, or maybe 28. And and so I'm, I'm in the press box, and it's the fourth quarter, and that game was going back and forth the entire time. And in a game like that, the reporters are always kind of in a, in a sticky spot where do we bolt for the field and miss part of the game, but you know finish the game on the field, or just stay up in the press box, finish the game, and then hope that you get down to the field in time for those interviews. I decided to, to head for the field, and as I'm going down, Notre Dame... I think they, they scored and just gone ahead. And USC has the ball. And I uh, I, I made it down quickly, but I was with Arash Markazi, and we got separated. And, uh, and so Arash, he found his way onto the USC side, but I ended up on the Notre Dame side. And I only point all this out because I'm, I'm down near you know, maybe near the 20-yard line uh, where USC, you know, USC's red zone. But they're on the other side of the field. And and so I'm down there, and I look over, and standing, I swear, two feet to my left is Joe Montana. Really? Yeah. Joe Cool is right there. And I'm a diehard, lifelong 49ers fan. Yes. And so... It's just weird. I, I don't usually 
you know, I'm not usually unnerved by by celebrities. And I mean, I was still, you know, much younger then. But he's right there, and he, you know, I know he's Mr. Notre Dame, and so I, uh, I I'm just kind of watching him and watching the game, right? I mean, it's hard to to take my my eyes off of him, and so that the whole sequence where. Uh, you know, fourth and nine, and Liner completes the pass to Jarrett. I'm watching that, and I'm, I'm turning over my shoulder constantly, and I'm looking at Montana and what he's doing. And uh, his whole family was right there, kind of separated from him. You know, it was almost like him and I were standing together, and his family was, you know, a few yards away, his kids and his wife. And so I'm watching that whole sequence take place, uh, of course, Liner ran and he fumbled and the clock ran out. And uh, so I'm on the other side of that. And we think that the game is over because of where we're standing. And so I just see the clock running down and, and run off to zero. And we, we take the field. And I, I'm just kind of walking on the field very slowly. And I'm stunned. I'm stunned that it's over. And I'm feeling... Really bad, even though I'm I'm, you know, I'm a reporter at the time, and I'm fighting to be objective about everything. I'm feeling bad because I want to cover the national championship, and I'm thinking that that's out the window now, because you know Notre Dame likely would would replace USC, um, and Texas of course is undefeated, but this is still mid October. But it just it felt like if you lost that game, you were out. It was an elimination game. And and so I'm, I have all these thoughts running through my mind that I won't get to cover the, the national title game. And then, of course, they rule that the, the ball is out of bounds and there's time on the clock. And uh, mind you, thousands of people had rushed the field and then they were all called off the field back into the stands. It was a crazy scene. And um, and I'm I, I'm looking I'm trying to find Montana and find my place with him, you know, to watch the the final moments again. And so uh, that was that was spectacular, just that whole thing. And uh, I mentioned a rush earlier, and that fumble from Liner uh, ended up ended up falling on his foot. And there's this famous photo in Sports Illustrated where Liner is like helicoptering. And the ball's out, and Arash is standing right there by himself, and the ball is just about to, I think, to make contact with his foot, or he just had made contact with it. And there's an empty spot right next to Arash. And <laughs> it's just funny because that could have been me. That would have been me, typically. And I was usually with him. And, and so while I could have been in that photo, or maybe the ball would have hit my foot, um, I think I got the the better end of the stick, taking that whole thing in with, with Joe Montana. I'm so happy that Adam's favorite memory from USC is being at a Notre Dame game, looking at a Notre Dame player, a former Notre Dame great, and watching him while this great football game's going on in the background. I'm going to talk for a moment so you can clear <laughs> yeah, you, your throat. You want to clear your throat there? Yeah, please. Sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was going to come out like that. It's fine now. It came out a little gargled, whatever's in your yeah. throat at the moment. Uh, very nice moment. I, I tuned out for a moment there, Adam. I'm not going to lie. I got lost <laughs> on something on Twitter, but now I'm back. Uh, but very good. I heard a lot about Joe Montana and Arash Markazi, so it's nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah, I, USC won the game. Come on. I mean, it's it's one of the greatest games in USC history, and yeah. Adam remembers it because he was looking at a Notre Dame player. No, a former no. Notre Dame player. I'm just putting it out there. We we experienced it together. We made eye contact. You, you know, you experienced it as one, as some would say. Adam yeah. is a USC alumni covering USC athletics, and that one of the greatest games in USC history was made special to him by a former Notre Dame player. I'm just saying, Joe Montana. That's, that's what I took away from it. Okay. That's yeah, I got to kind of give you crap, Chris. I mean, it is Joe Montana after all. It's it's a Notre. It's a former Notre Dame great. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw the whole I saw the whole gamut of emotion from him because he thought that they won. Yes, and he and he ran on the field and and you know he jumped and Joe not one for emotion to begin no. with. So throughout that whole sequence when it was um, when when they were trying before they converted the fourth and nine to Jarrett, you know he he was on pins and needles and and he was breaking and he just was looking away and he was scared. I took notes the entire time of the whole thing. I I wrote my column uh, partly on that, and so was it called a love affair with the Irish or no no no. But uh, and so he thought they won, and and then I remember when they called everybody off the field, he yelled at his family, uh, he yelled at his kids, like get off, and uh, he, he he was incensed. Because I don't know, I guess because they were already in the middle of the field where he just kind of, you know, had just started to make his way onto the field and 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 so now the, that win was being taken away from them and, and and you know and you 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 didn't know at that point whether they'd win the game and so I thought it was awesome. I'm glad Joe Montana made your time at USC special, Adam. Yeah. Chris okay. just not giving you an inch on this one. <laughs> I remember that game. I was in my office at Fox Sports Radio, and that was back when I gambled on sports uh, actively, much more actively than now. And uh, I won a lot of money on that game. So I, it was a good moment for me. I think I bought lunch for the entire team. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. I was in the stands on, in that game. Were yeah. you really in South Bend? Yeah. I was in South Bend. I was in Were high you close to Touchdown time. Jesus or no? I could see Touchdown Jesus. Beautiful. From, uh, that was my second no, it was my first time. I went to South Bend. Now, who was paying for that trip? Times. Were you or was uh, was my, the organization uh, back then? Oh yeah, Rivals was was paying for me to go out there when I was fifteen. They were like, "Yeah, go see go what? see a USC game." Okay, no problem. I didn't know. Maybe you were, yeah, uh, no. you know, maybe you were my, doing a lot actually, of stuff at fifteen. You know, uh, my uh, my mom's uh, boyfriend is a huge Notre Dame fan, oh, so okay. he actually would take us back to that game. Um, There's many awkward jokes yeah. I can make. I won't. So uh, Chris okay. Swanson <laughs> went to Whittier College, home of one Richard M. Nixon. Uh, maybe that's where Nixon learned about uh, audio recording and all kinds of stuff. Uh, so what were your experiences we at Whittier College? Did you have that course? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Destroy the Tapes 101. Yeah, it, he should have destroyed the tapes, by the way. Uh, nevertheless... <laughs> Yeah, I you know I had a good time at Whittier. Uh, it's a small school. There's not you know as much to do out in Whittier as there is in downtown Los Angeles, and less kids. But you know I I remember you know the first day getting there, all the jitters, uh, getting to know everybody pretty well because it's like an enrollment of like 1,300 kids. I remember graduating. Uh, I remember starting to cover USC football and USC recruiting while I was at Whittier College um, for one of these you know websites and. That was a big deal to me. I had a longtime girlfriend in college, so you know that's going to remember her. And, that seems that seems shocking. And, to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, so there's some good times. I got in some trouble too, 
you know, I uh, got the the police in Whittier knew me well. Uh, you know, small community. Whittier knew PD well. knew you well. They knew me well. Wow. Uh, they were across the street from the campus, and they always they kept an eye on me. So you know, there but there's some good times at Whittier. Uh, some not so good times too. I'm happy to be out of college and yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, Whittier up College it's uptown Whittier, right? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty close to uptown Whittier. Yeah, yeah, it's like right there. Yeah, yeah, uptown Whittier, nice uh, nice spread of town. Yeah, I like Whittier. <laughs> okay. I grew up in Whittier, so nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, we I have to move like, it along. We're going okay. too long. We didn't well, have a 10-minute story I about Joe I Montana. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot to mention that Scott Wolf wore a Whittier College shirt to USC practice. The and, guy from Party of Five? That's Scott Wolf? Yes, oh, that's okay. Scott Wolf. Yes. And that might have been more exciting than anything I ever did at Whittier College was seeing him wear a shirt. I'm going to wear a Whittier College shirt under my clothing to make sure I can snap a photo next time it happens. Of us together. Tweet it at Whittier College. Clear your throat. Yeah, again, I I have a better story from that game, but I'll tell it another time. I know oh I went long. Yeah, we, yeah, we got 45 more minutes, Adam, so why don't you just go again, right? Let's keep <laughs> Nick from Cyprus is back. With his question, favorite Italian restaurant? And while it seems to us that we did this once before, it might have been pizza related, might have been meatball related. <laughs> Who doesn't like a spicy meatball? Uh, but favorite Italian restaurant? We'll start with Chris Swanson for his South Bay perspective. Adam yeah. will cover San Gabriel Valley, and I'll have something on the west side. That's usually how this works, so go ahead. <laughs> I like trainees in San Pedro. You like what uh, now? <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> trainees. Trainees. <laughs> T-R-A-N-I. Let me write this down. Edit when Chris Swanson says this and save the audio forever. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, it's a nice Italian restaurant, San Pedro. I like it. If I'm in Torrance, I like Hank's. I've already mentioned that as a pizza place before. So, you know, that's by, but uh, trainees in uh, San Pedro. Okay. Adam Maya. (laughs) All right. I mean, there, there are many. I'm going to give you guys a new one that I've unearthed in downtown. It's called Taroni. Downtown Los Angeles? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I should warn you, uh, the service wasn't great. Um, I, I felt like it were borderline racist. What a surprise. Borderline <laughs> yeah. racist? Yeah. Really? But Yeah. Oh. I, I, I don't know. I just, maybe we got the wrong person. Are they but, Italians? Uh, Was it an Italian family? No, okay. I, don't, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. But, um, but the food was excellent. Good. And so I'm willing to look past that. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> Italians could just be grumpy. Adam's yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a mom and pop shop. Oh, okay. Adam's recommended a restaurant where his service was borderline racist <laughs> on, our, on our podcast this week. That's awesome. I also just want to point out that I haven't been to many restaurants with Adam Maya where he thought the service was good. Really? So really? that's one of his things. Okay. Well, that doesn't surprise okay. me, by the way. He complained about the weight at the taco place, which honestly, I didn't think. I didn't, okay. I don't even think it was 25 minutes. So there's that. So, and there were a lot of people there, but whatever. No, we, we were waiting behind them. Okay. He, <laughs> said, he, he made us go to Bongo Burger. Yes. Oh, yeah. The great Berkeley, Bongo Burger story. Complained about it and then blamed it on me. Um, so just excuse me if I, you know, have some reservations on what Adamaya has a problem with uh, service or wait time at a restaurant. I ain't buying it. Right. I ain't buying it. There you go. Clear your throat and I'm fine with you not buying it. 
right. Um, now it is popping in my head that we had done this, I think, at some point. Because I remember talking about the... It was the, a pizza. Was it? it? Was, but didn't uh, we talk yeah. about the C&O in the marina? The Trattoria? Maybe. Oh, I've been there. I love it. Yeah. Are we so, back to... Okay. Well, so I'll mention this. C&O is not bad. Um, speaking of mom and pop here, of course, I'm going to give you the Culver City uh, shout-out. Uh, is a mom and pop shop called Campari's, which is on... I think it's on... Hmm. Let me look that up, actually. Campari's. But it's... Uh, it's off of the 405 somewhat, but uh, we go there often, orders to go, but they're only opened after 5. Um, it's on Sentinella. It's actually Westchester is, is where it's at, but not too far from the airport, but Campari's is a good place. Great pizza, uh, nice mom-and-pop feel. And then going over to the Whittier area, actually, uh, Lascari's. When I was growing up, we actually knew my family. We knew the Lascari's family. They started with one hole in the wall. Slash deli slash little sit down, and now they've I think they have four or five across Whittier, La Mirada, La Habra, and Orange County. Lascaris is a great place, and uh, I think that's really all I got for right now. And again, with Italian, there's sort of the mom and pop, more southern feel, and then you can sometimes get into the more of the northern feel where it's more of a fancy sit down where you got the fish, you got stuff like that. But yeah, I'm more of a southern like feel, that. you know, I'm more of a southern, more okay. of a southern yeah. feel. Tironi's more about the seafood. Yeah. I like a little a little more red sauce on my plate because I'm not a big seafood guy. And I grew up more about more around the southern feel, making my own gravy, all that kind of stuff. But thank you, Nick from Cyprus, for the question. I'm sure this will bring on an onslaught of other questions for next week on the message boards at Trojansports.com. Oh, a Trojan gift horse, our friend. What should the offensive strategy be against Alabama? Duck would be good. Pure power football, and does that not play directly into their hands? If not then are you putting too much pressure on a first-time starter at quarterback? What would you do to defend against USC if you were in the Tide's position? It could. Great question. I think that they're going to run the ball a lot with whichever quarterback they use. And um, they're trying to establish a power run game. Maybe they... uh, I think you... You play to your strengths. With USC, I think they're pretty versatile. But I think also what would surprise Alabama. And Alabama might expect them to be overly, overly reliant on, you know, on, on, uh, on the perimeter and getting the receivers uh, out in space open. And so I think they're going to try to run the ball. And, and then, I mean, that's kind of their deal. They want to run the ball and then play action over the top. I think I'll try that. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. Um, I think though that they're going to try to spread them out too while doing that. I think while running, yeah, yeah, they'll be they'll be less of you know power run game looking and more of a spread out type deal. I think that that's kind of their advantage against Alabama is that you know they might not have the size on them, but we know USC has some really good athletes. This probably has an advantage over anybody in the country, uh, you know, on the perimeter like you mentioned. Um, so yeah, I agree with you, but I think it's going to look a little bit like a spread too. I think that's how teams have scored on Alabama in recent years too. Is uh, they're usually spread teams. Um, if I was Alabama defending USC though, which is the second part of this question, I think that you know you got to say pressure, constant pressure. You know, first time starting quarterback, hit him in the mouth. That's got to be Alabama's strategy. You know, don't give him anything easy and just pressure all day. Uh, I think USC, if they if their quarterback responds to that pressure 
which I think Alabama will bring when that game happens, I think they would have a chance in this game. I think that's kind of kind of be the difference. I know, you know, Alabama's had such a great record over the last few years and USC hasn't really, but you know, USC can stay in this game if they get have great quarterback play. And uh, we'll see if that happens. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a dilemma. I think people underrate how hard it might be for the opponent given that there is a different quarterback. I felt like year three of the Cody Kessler era became very predictable. And so you, I think a lot of teams were comfortable just taking away the run and stacking the box. And maybe they doubled Juju, but otherwise they're basically playing everybody else straight up and, and trying to make Cody beat them. And I don't think you're, you're going to be able to do that against either Max Brown or Sam Darnold. So I expect the defense to give a lot of different looks and try to confuse the quarterback and, and make him think a lot. But I don't think that you can play them um, one-dimensional. I don't think you can just try to uh, take away. You can't sell out to the run, in my opinion. I think that... This offense is going to be very hard to defend, and I thought they should have been last year. Very good. Troja Gift Horse, thank you so much. Darren T., has anyone talked to Max in the past week since the end of spring ball? What is he feeling or thinking? And what kind of Italian restaurants does Max like? <laughs> yeah, we, we've chosen not to because they are finishing their finals this week is the, the final week of school. And so, um, you know, we're asked to, to, to relax with the, you know, in terms of talking to the players after spring. Um, they're going to have their workouts resume typically in June. And so um, I'm sure we'll be in contact with Max soon, but um, he is a student and uh, we haven't been on campus. And so we just have not talked to him in the last few weeks. Um, and not just because of the, you know, the, the possibility that he might transfer. Um, that's actually a reason to talk to him. But want him to, to have his uh, time and space to focus on school. Adam actually invited Max Brown over for a sleepover, but he didn't get texted back. So he's just trying to be gracious. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Now, if you were having a sleepover, what, would you want to play PlayStation with him? Would you just want to watch movies about gladiators? What would you want to do? Uh, is this a serious question? No, of course it's not a serious question. Unless you're having sleepovers with recruits, and I didn't know, or not even recruits, with recruits. actual athletes on the team. I didn't know. No. Okay. I thought you were asking me like what, what we would do if we were hanging out. Yes. Uh, maybe for another time. Thank you, Darren okay. T. Speaking of recruits, Scott Money May. How is recruitment going with Marvin Wilson Adam? Go, Adam. <laughs> How's it going? Look at Chris Swanson going Cobra on this thing. Oh, yeah. I he, was waiting, he was waiting in the weeds on that one. Oh, yeah. I know. I saw that question, and I was going to attack Adam right there. Um, yeah, I guess I'll answer it. Yes, please. Uh, if, you, if you guys don't mind. But, um, you know, Marvin Wilson, big-time priority for USC, obviously, big-time priority for everybody. He's a kid that isn't picking up the phone anymore. You know, he's not picking up the phone. It's been that way for a while. I'm going to see him at the five-star challenge in uh, Atlanta coming up soon. Um, I'm sure he'll be there. 
and I'll be able to catch up with him. I got to see him in person to talk to him about USC. It seems it's going that way. He is highly interested in USC. He always has been. I'm sure that they'll get him out on a visit or something like that. I just feel like USC is going to have to have you know a good year, do something special, something to show that they're on the rise to have a chance with a guy like that because he can go anywhere. Uh, he has offers from everybody. You know, he's he's in Texas, so he's closer to some other programs like Alabama, you know, or Oklahoma, or whoever else. A couple of programs that have been on the rise, and so USC has to be on the rise, I think, to get him. Uh, but they're trying. Any thoughts, Adam? I concur. Thank you. Do you want to sleep over with Marvin Wilson, Adam? No. Why would you ask me that? Just because it was the topic before. Uh, thank you, uh, Scott Money May. Drew, fight on, our friend. Hi, guys. Great work as always. Thank you. I'm curious to get your detailed breakdown of who you think should play where, the se- where in the secondary. We have a lot of guys who have had meaningful snaps and some young guys coming in with tons of talent. We can't play them all, but aside from maybe Adoree, Biggie, and Tell, it's hard from my point of view to sort out who should get the most playing time at each spot. Also, I'd like to hear each other's individual scouting report and assigned position for the other two if you were three. If the three of us were USC football players. Yes, Morales. I'm leaving the floor wide open for all the tight end jokes you'd like to make. Well, see, now I can't even make them. But thank you, Drew Vidon, for pointing out the humor ahead of things. Thank you, Drew. Why don't you guys take the top while I prepare my tight end jokes? Okay. Adam, you want to start here? Or should you want me to start? Well, part of the problem with spring was that too many people were unavailable, especially in the secondary. There's a whole list. Chris Hawkins, Achille Ross, Adoree Jackson, and then you had incoming players like Jack Jones, Jamel Cook. So, and, oh, and John Plattenberg, of course. He was out for nearly the entire spring. So, I'm not, I don't have a, you know, a, a depth chart here of, of you know, who should who should be where? Yeah, I think that that's still to be determined. Um, obviously, Adoree and Biggie are the top two corners. I think right now it's Isaiah Langley is your your third guy. And if you're if you're going in nickel, they typically used a third safety. I guess I like a, a third corner better, and and maybe it would be Langley, but maybe it'd be Jack Jones if he shows that he's ready to go after a month of training camp? What what do you think? I think it's hard, like you said, because it's spring. Um, You know, he mentioned, I think, three of the four starters. You know, Adore Jackson, Biggie Marshall, Marvell Tell. I think I kind of see Chris Hawkins being that other safety just because of experience. Um, From there, I mean, it's kind of a lot of guys are close. Yeah, I liked what I was seeing out of Isaiah Langley at corner, so I think he could get you know in the conversation there. Um, I think you know John Plattenberg's played a lot at safety, so I think he could easily be a starter at safety or be in the rotation. Leon McQuay could make a comeback because he's you know shown some flashes of what he can do, and the staff has liked it before at safety, so I could see him being in the mix there. Um, you know, yeah, you mentioned Jack Jones is coming in; he's a five-star corner. He could play right away. There's a lot of guys. USC, you know, they got talent in the secondary. I think we're not really going to know what's happening until later this year. I think, too, because the coaching staff has switched so much, 
it's kind of hard to get a grasp of, you know, who's the best player or who this staff thinks is the best player. I think it's all going to be determined. Yeah, I, I still want to know who I kill Ross is. He has yeah. a, a lot of talent, really athletic, but hasn't been healthy. When he when he when he is healthy, I like the way he practices. Just really have no idea right now if he's ready to step on the field. Of course, same the the true freshmen are in the same boat, and then the coaching staff is going to be closely looking at Chris Hawkins and Leon McQuay because they had both of them. Well, Pendergast worked with both of them a few years ago, and McQuay played. Hawkins redshirted as a cornerback. So McQuay's kind of in the same spot that he was in then. That, you know, that's, that's a little bit concerning. Three years later, he's in the same spot. And Hawkins is now playing safety, and he played a lot last year. So when I, when I did the depth chart, I penciled him in as, as a starter. But that's really in pencil. And then when we picked our starting lineup, I I picked Hawkins as my starter. And that, that's who I think, that, that's who I would go with right now. But we really need training camp right now. I think that we're going to see a lot of people play. And I think what this tells you, you know, as uncertain as we are, I think that you're going to see two, three people play. I don't think you're going to see a, a, a starter kind of dominate all the snaps. And I mean, even at cornerback, you're going to rotate a little bit. A Dory, you, you expect, will will flip over and play offense, so he won't play every snap at cornerback. And and even Biggie, you know, even, even, even Biggie, I don't know if he's built for that to play every... He played a lot of snaps, so he, he played... I think almost as much as anybody on defense last year. So I think you'll see that, but he did come out of the game and they've been grooming Isaiah Langley. So even if, if Jack Jack isn't ready, Isaiah Langley's going to play. We're going to see a rotation at both spots, but I'm sorry. I don't have a, a more definitive answer here. I, we need training camp before we could say, well, that's not the most important question he asks. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. So just give us an answer, uh, you know, for where you see us playing at USC out of Maya, and it'll all be good. I've, I've never thought of this. I never have either. But Chris Morales would be a center. Like, he'd have to be. I don't know if I'm that big, but maybe. Is that a fat joke? I think so. No. What about horsing around with fat guys? It wasn't actually. I think it was more of a man's hands underneath my anus joke. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, see. though. It could be a combination of both. Well, then he could play quarterback, too, because I'm sure you like touching, you know, a little, well, again, a little taint action, too. Wow. Well, if I was, I would be the quarterback, not the receiver, nevertheless. Um, okay. So, Adam, where would you see Chris Swanson? Ah. Uh, um. The punter? <laughs> nice. Okay. And then uh, yourself? I'm a receiver. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. I play receiver. You're a what receiver? I'm sorry. 
I played receiver. Oh, oh in yeah. fifth grade, right? Yeah. <laughs> you were a dual sport athlete back in Altadena Elementary. Cue the white shadow theme for this moment of Adam Maya's sports history. And when we say sports history, we mean his own career. All right, so he played receiver. All right, Chris wants it. Go ahead. Okay, um, well, I kind of see Chris Morales as like the prima donna wide receiver, you know? Okay. Really? Like, big time, you know, kind of a big time guy. Okay. I see that, you know, so I think that's going to be you, Chris Morales. Uh, okay. Adam, I see you as somebody that thinks, you know, like when you talk about your point guard days and your receive <laughs> wide receiver days, I think, you know, that guy thinks he's way better than he is. So I see you as like the third string quarterback. You know? Bitter, you think you should play, you tell everybody, you know, the how third much string quarterback. Is. I like that. Yeah. Tells everybody about how much the other guys suck. Yes, definitely. How am I a third string quarterback? I am the kicker from the movie The Replacements, if you've ever seen it. <laughs> That gets into gambling debt and like smokes cigarettes like while he's like playing, you know? Yes. That's me. That's me. I'm just a problem, but I can kick the ball. So, yeah, that's my evaluation of our team. I, I said punter. I feel good about it. Then. You're close. If you said because yeah. you're smoking cigarettes and getting into gambling debts while punting, <laughs> I would have let it slide. But you forgot to mention those things. Wow. I don't know how I could follow all of that up, but. Let me start with myself. I actually, in high school now, I was a much different figure back then. <laughs> but much like Drew Fidon points out, I was recruited to play tight end on the Catella Knights because I was a very good basketball athlete. And they wanted me, huh. our coach in basketball, because we were a CIF school, you had, to play all the other, you had to play every other season as well in another sport to stay in shape. So I wanted to play football as my fall sport. My parents were adamant they thought I would be one of these kids that died on the field. But they <laughs> wanted me because of my size. Um, to play tight end. Unfortunately, despite all the jokes, I wasn't allowed to play fall sports. And then I had to do water polo. Yeah, could you make up things. for it in your adult life? Yes, exactly. <laughs> at this point in my life, at this size, I don't think I'm quite a setter, but I always make jokes that I'm like a Mike Singletary type because I'll just stare at you across the line and scare you. And okay. I'm going to get you. I don't know how. I'm going to come after you and get you like a, like a tiger in the wild. So... Uh, middle linebacker. Yeah, maybe maybe a middle linebacker, but uh, I don't have the speed just yet. Maybe if we train. Um, Adam Maya. Let's see. I would probably go with the guy who's the – so maybe third-string quarterback would work to Chris Watson's play because you would hold – you'd be the play – you know, you'd, you'd hold the kicks well, for a field goal. You'd be the holder, <laughs> but you'd be talking about how, like, you know, that, that starting quarterback. You see that where he screwed that up? I wouldn't have done that. So that is a good point. Chris Swanson – I think would be an elevated water boy type that <laughs> somehow miraculously does become part of the team. But he's sort of the guy who would be a really great star, but he just seems to, he enjoys the uh, accoutrement just a little too much on the sideline. So he's, but he's part of the team. He's part of the fabric of the team. Hmm. So I'm like Sarkeesian. And no, Adam, we're not cutting that out because that was good. <laughs> Blair and Gulo, though, if uh, if Blair was still part of it, Blair would be Blair would be the tight end on many uh, the prima donna tight end that definitely thinks he like is just all that, you know? Yeah, he'd be like, what's his name in Major League from LA Law? Uh, mm, I didn't watch LA Law. Colin, I watched Major Colin, League. Uh, Corbin Bernstein. Corbin Bernstein. Yeah, he would be the Corbin Bernstein character. Oh, I drew fight on. Good stuff. Thank you. 
Uh, anytime Adam could make a gay and a fat joke all in one towards me, that's always a good thing. B22 Rider, our friend. Hey, guys, thanks for answering my question last week. You know, I barely can remember the first question this week, but whatever yeah. your question was last week, thank you. Never thought about green transferring. Interesting. Anyway, anyway, have more of a Coliseum question for you. As far as I know, the Collie or the Coley doesn't serve alcohol, at least not at a USC game. But now with the Rams moving in and the NFL having big beer sponsors and serving beer at all, their, at all of their games, any chance we see it on Saturdays? No, Ryder, because it's an NCAA rule. It has nothing to do with the team, but that's okay. But if you go outside into the parking lot, I'm sure you could find plenty of beer. Well, I wait, did it recently it, it, become an NCAA because I remember USC sold beer and then they they yeah, stopped. I don't it remember stopped. being an NCAA. It's an NCAA wow. rule. At least that's how it's been explained to me on almost every sporting event. Same thing on why, like for instance, the Final Four events never have beer because it's an NCAA thing. Interesting. If I that's the case, that. then then yeah, then they won't have it. Um, if that isn't the case, I don't think USC would bring it back anyway because they did. They had. They felt like they had a problem with drinking at the games previously. At one point, this was about 15 years ago, I think, uh, when USC started getting big again at some of the rivalry games. You know, drinking got out of control. They took it away. They banned it. So I couldn't see them bringing it back, even if they could. Apparently, uh, according to Chris Morales, they, they can't. It's like if you go to the Pac-12 tournament at Staples Center, there's no alcohol. Now that might be an NCAA yeah. hoops thing. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they let people get drunk when there's like you know bashing and stuff involved physical contact but yeah i don't i don't think usc would bring it back anyway even if they could honestly just my opinion uh i don't yeah i don't i didn't know about that rule but i did ask the usc official and they told me that they are not aware of a change see we bring speculation adam brings the word but huh I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, to reading online. I'm trying to look it up, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, this looks like this says NCAA's March Madness beer policy fools no one, a 2014 article. So this may be just for March Madness and the uh, the, the tournaments that go well, hand in hand. I think maybe when you say like it's an NCAA rule, they're talking about like NCAA-sanctioned tournaments. Well, maybe. You know that I mean? could be like, a good point. Like volleyball tournament, whatever, and then like the schools can do whatever they want. I just remember USC, they sold beer. At the Coliseum, they stopped. Like they said, Actually, no. you're right because of the Ro- the Rose Bowl in 2007. I remember getting quite hammered. Yeah, and that was between USC and Michigan. So yeah, okay. So I, I stand corrected. Uh, I'm reading a report from this past October, and it says that seven Power Five schools sell alcohol. It's like seven total. Yeah. Wow, that's really low. Mm-hmm. It's just probably not worth the bad PR when it's all said. No, time. it's not. And stuff happens. And it's a college thing anyway. Like You know what I mean? So it's kind of that whole thing. Now in those suites, though, at the Coley, the new one, do you think there will be alcohol? Oh, yeah. And, dude, the, the high class, like, you know, the rich people, they can do whatever they want. It's like you don't follow the rules because we know you won't cause trouble. You have money, you know? <laughs> Right, Drew Fidon, uh, thank you, B22 writer. Drew Fidon just says, now we are talking, I nominate this question of the year, and that is writer's question of uh, alcohol at the games. Did you know, I've never noticed here on his location, that Drew is in Boca Raton. Yeah, he yeah. is. He's in Florida. I've never noticed that. There you go. You know, I have a question of the year. What else can you sneak into football games besides alcohol? Well, you've got to be worried if they have a dog. If they have a dog standing there and you've got certain things, you want to walk the other way. 
Now, it depends on what that dog can pick up. Can he pick up just a marijuana-type substance? Can he pick up pills? It all depends. Bombs. Well, bombs. Well, bomb would hopefully, we hope, would be on a metal detector. Let's get tons of bomb-sniffing dogs. <laughs> no drug-sniffing dogs. No drug-sniffing dogs. I don't like those. Yeah. Enjoy your game day experience, yeah. kids. And again, anything you would want of that sort of nature would be in the parking lot anyway. So, let's this be honest. This is true. Yeah. It always is. Yes, it is. Oh, a man who's never enjoyed the stickiest of icky is Adam Maya. We thank him for his participation this week. Chris Swanson and myself, Chris Morales. It's been a fun show, boys. It has been. Thank you to everybody on the questions at the message board, trojansports.com. Oh, if you ever miss any of the shows, like last week, we titled it The Departed. Go back to trojansports.com. Excuse me. Click the other tab and go down. You can get to the podcast. We're also on iTunes. Search trojansports.com on Audio Boom on Podcast Arena. We'll see you next week. More Max Brown, Sam Darnold talk, most likely. More questions from the message board. More Adam Maya stories of his athletic youth and so much more. <laughs> Fellas, anything <laughs> else? I'm good. Yeah. yeah. All right, take the rest of the day off. We'll see you next week here on the Trojansports.com podcast. Thank you. Bye. I like trainees in San Pedro. You like what now? What's it called? (laughs) Trainees. Trainees. She's naughty. Manganita? Well, then he could play quarterback, too, because I'm sure you like touching, you know, a little little taint action, too. Wow. I'm an orange vein kind of guy. Oh, yeah. I'm cool with Puffy. Think so. Enjoy that hot dog, man. That's awesome. I never passed up a good hot dog, boys. (laughs) Oh, we had a problem. Uh, we tried to do everything we could. What do you mean? Well, you know what I mean. He's gone. And we couldn't do nothing about it. Cut know. this part out. I, I'm sorry. I, just, I didn't want to move on until I knew we were done. I'd like to grow my hot dog. Oh, yeah. Galito! Cobra! Attack! Dad Damn says it. we released a death chart. <laughs> Gosh. Did I say it was coming, or did I say yeah. it was there? You said it was coming. Well, you guys could have jumped in and said, I think it's there. That would have been funnier. I just did that. Yeah. Three, two, one. This is all staying in. Bing, he's gone. And we couldn't do nothing about it. I feel so touched. Blessed. Yes. Hashtag blessed. Haven't you ever seen my naughty late-night party line commercials? Hey, are you lonely? Do you like to party with hot girls? What about horsing around with fat guys? I'm an orange vein kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs>